0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solum. Monday already. Welcome to the week. I'm Rick Solum. Brad Williams is going to join me here in a couple of minutes. He's down at the courthouse. He's down up. He's over at the courthouse, like a block away from here. A uh, whole bit, whole bunch of things going on in the courthouse today. Just like, and none of them really good at all. If anyone's been paying attention to the news over the last couple of days and weeks and months and years, uh, depending on what you want to dive into that's happened at the courthouse, because some of these things happened years ago, which is kind of the, we had a drive-by shooting on Friday and just, I don't really have any details except what the little bit of information the police gave. Sean Kudron, the, the, the city of La Crosse police chief will be on tomorrow, hopefully, unless he, it's you know unless something happens unfortunately, um, but he should be on for a little bit tomorrow. And I don't know how many. I, I'll just say this: I don't know what kind of details he he will be able to provide on the on the shooting. But I want to I want to kind of like pick his brain on how the investigation process happens. So I, I want to get him talking about something that he can talk about as opposed to just asking him, "Hey, why did the guy?" You know, committed drive-by shooting that injured at least six people. He's, he's probably, at this point, either not going to be able to tell us or not going to know. You know, obviously, they're they're interviewing that guy and have, or probably have interviewed him to find out his motives and whatnot. But I'll have that. But a criminal complaint could come out before that as well for the show tomorrow. So I might have some of that. Um, also, there was a stabbing in Holman. Couple of forty-year-olds. olds one 40 forty-year-old stabbing another forty-year-old in the in the neck on a at a home on Mill Street. Uh, seems uh, d- don't have any information on that. We need the criminal complaint there as well. So sorry about that. We just we have to wait for them to go through court and then the criminal complaint comes comes out. So uh, what was the other the other one? Oh, and then the Neatal trial, the uh, West Salem triple homicide should be wrapping up. It's, it's the I think the jury's trying to figure things out right now. Like, literally right now, that's what Brad's going to call in. In fact, Brad's interview on the Nia Child trial might just be 15 minutes old, and then it won't be worth talking about anymore because they'll have come to a decision. Or Brad might get taken away because they will have come to a decision while he's on the phone with me, and I have to go to report on that. Um, but but that's coming out. And you know what? Like, how does that even work? Brad's down at the courthouse. He could tell us. Uh, before we get into any of that, though, I just want to I want to bring up this this very kind of out there, but not really. So the Washington Wizards are an NBA basketball team. They used to be my favorite team when they were the Washington Bullets. Had nothing to do with bullets. Had everything to do with Chris Webber, former Michigan Fab Five member, being on that team. Almost beat the Jordan Bulls one year. Didn't didn't really beat him at all in the playoffs. The Jordan Championship Bulls uh, got swept, but uh, they 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 gave him a challenge. I'll say that. But the Washington Wizards made a trade yet. Uh, Well, they're kind of in the midst of a trade. Whether it's official yet, I don't know. But Bradley Beal will be leaving the Washington Wizards. Why do we care about this? Because Johnny Davis, lacrosse native Johnny Davis, is playing for the Wizards. And Johnny Davis didn't have a great rookie season last year. He was the number nine overall pick in the NBA draft. That's incredible. So a kid from lacrosse out of Central High School goes to the Badgers is kind of a nobody this first year of the badgers cuz there's a senior laden team sophomore year all those seniors graduate he is the man he turns into the man he is a college player of the year candidate as a sophomore with the badgers talk of the town he gets drafted number 9 by the wizards which is huge he's a that's called a lottery pick and you know only 10 people will get to be lottery picks um so so he goes to the wizards and then it's just kind of meh, like he he, plays, he only plays like five, six minutes a game, which which shouldn't happen to a number nine pick. I mean, at the, at the, they don't always pan out, and rookies sometimes take a little bit longer. Usually, it's big men, though. And then he gets sent to the G League, essentially the minor league system in the NBA. But at the end of the year, the Wizards bring him back. So the last like 15 games of the season and they and Bradley Beal is the, is one of the premier shooting guards in the league. He's off injured and and some would say it's laughable to call him premier, but he's pretty good when he's when he's playing. Well, the last 15 games of the year for the, the Wizards. They brought Davis back out of the G League, started playing him, started playing him about 15 minutes a game and he wasn't doing great. He was shooting kind of terrible. It's kind of been his thing. He, he's not a great shooter and he's a shooting guard, so it kind of doesn't work that way. But then the Wizards shut Bradley Beal down because you know they're like, well, why, we're not going, they're, we're not going anywhere. We're not a good team. We're not going to the playoffs. We have this asset. Bradley Beal makes like fifty million dollars a year. Uh, we don't want to get him injured as we head into the next season because they're probably thinking we're going to trade him. And Johnny Davis plays the last five games last season, and sort of lights it up. He did, he still didn't shoot great, but he scored pretty well. He scored seventeen points a game. And he played 36 minutes a game, but it's all his other stats. Johnny Davis is kind of a grinder. He's kind of a garbage man a little bit for a shooting guard. He got six boards a game, which is incredible for a shooting guard. He's six foot four, six foot five. He got four assists a game, which is awesome for a shooting guard because you really don't need to get assists. But that's incredible. And 1.4 steals a game, almost a block a game. So those are huge numbers. 1.4 steals a lot for a shooting guard for anyone really. And uh, to get a block a game as a shooting guard is pretty incredible, too. So he's got all these other stats. So the last five games of the season, he had back-to-back 20 games it's among the five games. And so as we uh, wait for baseball to get to the playoffs and wait for the NFL to start, I talk the NBA. That's what I do before we bring Brad Williams in here to talk about all the things that happened in court today. But we should be looking forward to October, even September, when they start uh, playing, because the Washington Wizards are in full tank mode. And then they're going to be in full, like, let's see what we got with Johnny Davis mode uh, come next season. And how long that lasts, I don't know, because he could just flop and not make it. But he showed this little flash of lightning the last five games of last season when when there was no pressure. There was no big time shooting guard making 50 million dollars a year on on the team, taking his minutes or to be just like pressure. Right. Like just kind of scary. I'm playing next to this guy who's incredible. Um, so he's gone, and we'll see uh, what Johnny Davis uh, can can do next year. Johnny Davis won a state championship with Central High School, and then the next year they beat the number one ranked team in the playoffs, and then they were going to state, I think, or the sectional finals, and then COVID happened. So he didn't actually get to chance a chance to repeat a state championship because COVID just shut down the world, right? It shut down sports. started in the NBA, really, with Rudy Gilbert, um, but then just kind of shut down all the sports and the rest of the world. So we just never had, you kind of don't remember that, right? Like, oh yeah, all these kids, they were right in the state tournament. I think the girls tournament was going on and they lost that, right? Like it's just kind of just one of them, the saddest things, not the saddest thing from the COVID uh, pandemic, but just one of those things that get, I think it kind of gets forgotten as the, we talk about how much these kids have lost, um, you know, it, w- being in school and whatnot. They also lost all these Extracurriculars. Anyway, hopefully Brad calls me in one minute. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Sullivan on the phone with me now from the courthouse in Lacrosse County, which is like two blocks away. Brad Williams, also he requested this song. Hi, Brad.
1: I requested the song.
0: Yeah, Miley Cyrus, "Party in the USA." Sure. I don't know if you can hear it. I don't know how the button's work. <laughs> Not going right. to be any partying right away, let's put it that. So the jury, the Nia Tal jury, still delib- del- deliberating? Is that the word? Del-
1: still, deliver- still deliberating. I mean, I'm uh, figuring that if it went past 5 o'clock, they'd still be at it. So people are talking about dinner at this point. so they Oh, so they're like we, coming back tomorrow. We don't tomorrow. know how long it's going to take. We don't know whether they will decide to break
0: uh, for the evening and come back tomorrow that we don't know yet. You got a bold prediction. But it's a possibility. I don't have a prediction. Okay. So, oh, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. That's the West Salem triple homicide that happened in 2021, almost, uh, two years ago, right around this time, I believe, right, Brad, August.
1: It was, July. uh, July of, uh, 2021. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, because be, we'll, we'll, we'll spend all that time on the interview and then the jury will make a decision today or tomorrow and then we'll have to come back and talk to you again. Um, Right. All right. So the, the drive by shooting happened Friday. night. I'll just kind of explain what we know so far is uh, about six people, maybe more were wounded. Nobody was killed. A Rochester guy, 31 year old D. Andrew Grant was arrested. The gun was found. They, and this car, the car that he allegedly drove in uh, to commit this drive by uh, all that. And then he was in court today. He
1: was uh, appeared remotely in court, as many people do now. They'll be in the jail and, and do a video. But, uh, yes, he was in just for a bond hearing because they don't expect to have the criminal complaint ready until probably Wednesday. So oh, okay. at this point, he, he is, uh, uh, the bond has been set at a million dollars cash. This was by Judge Todd Bierke today. And right. there are conditions of house arrest and uh, GPS monitoring. Uh, there is Mr. Grant is being allowed no contact for a section of Third Street between La Crosse Street and Jackson, which is pretty much downtown. Not allowed in downtown. What what we uh, were told during the uh, intake session today by the attorneys, especially the uh, the prosecution, is that he was uh, he'd gotten into an argument apparently with somebody at the press break. Um, the bar early on Saturday morning, and uh, there were a couple of swings taken. And uh, a short time after that, we are told that uh, Grant drove the wrong way, which would be north up 3rd Street, which is a southbound only street. And uh, there were uh, the authorities say there were shots fired at a couple of uh, buildings or a group of people who were outside buildings. Uh, the press break and also Polito's in that one hundred block of South Third Street. And what we are told is that seven people had gunshot wounds of one sort or another, and an eighth person was injured by broken glass.
0: Okay, so and we actually uh, know quite a bit of information that you've learned over the past uh, yes, couple days, and
1: and they found out that uh, the they found the gun they think was involved, thrown onto the roof of Dee's muffler shop toward Lacrosse Street.
0: Okay. Interesting. Interesting place to throw a gun. Also, if you're trying not to get caught doing a drive-by shooting, maybe drive the correct way down the street. But a Rochester guy might not know that uh, that Third Street was a one-way.
1: That's, that, that's quite true. I mean, he's from Rochester. He would not know necessarily unless
0: you were... Uh, unless you study how the traffic is going, that it is a one-way street. Well, also at about two a.m. Saturday morning, I'm guessing not everybody is all there. Not a lot of people,
1: right? Yeah, yeah not
0: a lot of traffic at that time either. Well, no, I'm saying his, his mind probably not all there. He's True. probably doing. This some is things. also
1: this is also a case if you're out at two in the morning and and you're in the uh, the bar district, that could be a case. Do we have like so, he's
0: uh, he has been charged with this like this thing?
1: He is. He has not been charged yet. This oh, okay. is what's going to presumably happen on Wednesday. But okay, so. The, uh, and, and it certainly is confusing because we, uh, there's been the discussion of if you go on the jail list for Crosse County and you see the people who are in jail and you might find somebody uh, and it says, it has the mugshot and it says reckless homicide. Yeah. But, that, but oh, we are told nobody died. So right. this would be attempted homicide. Yeah, in these we'll, cases, and we'll see that every but, once in a while, somebody or, will yeah, make it. But an that a- would be officially on Wednesday, because they wanted some more time to discuss this and and prepare charges. But it, it might be seven charges of reckless behavior or endangerment or something like that. We we don't know at this point.
0: Well, and, and a lot of times you'll see this on the on the internet. Some people make mistakes. And spell words wrong, uh, which I might have did because I was editing that story on my phone. Um, okay, so what was also interesting about this story, Brad? And you weren't—you, I know you were down at the courthouse on Friday, but you weren't here at this. I don't know are multiple courtrooms. Um, online court records indicate that Grant had appeared in La Crosse's courtroom just hours before that drive-by shooting. Uh, maybe, which maybe like what, twelve hours. What
1: I was able to find out is that he had he had been in for something else. Um, on Friday
0: Yeah misdemeanor, misdemeanor charges of criminal damage to property and disorderly conduct. So kind of right. some basic things, but um, he still mm-hmm. it was kind of weird that he was in court uh, a couple hours before that and then commits drive-by shooting allegedly.
1: but it was a, but it was a misdemeanor, so he, he wasn't held in jail and uh, so he happened to be out on the street on Friday night Saturday morning. This is uh, this is what we understand from what we've been told in court and uh, by
0: the police. And bond said at a million dollars was kind of, and he's he's not bonded out, right? Because you talked about some of the preconditions there. He can't be anywhere, basically, in downtown La Crosse. But he's right. he's in well, jail, right?
1: It was uh, discussed that his attorney said that a million dollars bond was unreasonably high because he's homeless and he uh, can't pay a million dollars. So the assumption is that. Uh, that level would be uh, enough to keep him in court, in jail for a sufficient amount of time at this point. So yeah, because, once because again, if, if we can draw if he if he does get out, it he'd be beyond house arrest. He he is yep. ordered not to have alcohol, I think or drugs either. Uh beyond GPS monitoring, no weapons, no firearms and uh, so those are conditions. Well, Brad, if and we could draw some
0: comparisons up. here. Uh, DeAndre Grant uh, in court today for a drive-by shooting that happened at around 2 a.m. on Saturday morning in downtown La Crosse. Um Also, going on at the same time is this Neatow trial where he is alleged to have killed three people at a West Salem quarry two years ago. Well, the trial has been, he's been in jail, right? Neatow has been in jail for two years, right? Because he probably couldn't. At
1: this, couldn't. Point, at this you, look, you look at the list of people who have been in jail. and He has been there longer than anybody else who is currently in the jail. He has been there since he was arrested in July
0: of uh, 21. Well, and this is the weird bond uh, system that we have where people have no sympathy for uh, a dude that allegedly commits a drive-by shooting, injures six people, uh, glass hurts a seventh person, uh, a million dollars bond, and we say, you know, good, good riddance to you because for doing that thing except that he's innocent until proven guilty, so he's just going to sit in jail, right? right? And, and But would he be a flight risk? So there's all these other extenuating circumstances, but not a lot of sympathy for people like that that do this. Right, but it, it,
1: circumstances can change, and uh, they could come back to the judge and uh, at some point uh, see if they could get the bond lowered right. or, or the conditions change.
0: Um, another thing I didn't mention before the show, and, and Brad... Uh, this didn't happen in court today, but there was also a, a Vernon County sheriff's deputy killed somebody during a traffic stop. Uh, that was on that was on Friday was on night Friday as well, night. wasn't it? Yes. All these things happening on Friday night, Saturday morning. But a but a Vernon County deputy it was kind of weird. They were called to a um, called to a home near Genoa. And uh, when they got there. A, a driver or a person had left in their car. So the police followed that person, pulled him over, I believe on highway 35, just right. shortly after he left. Um, and at some point he, uh, the, when de- deputies must've been talking to him at the window, I'm trying to, I, I don't have the information. So I'm trying that's, to kind of like,
1: what it, that's what it sounds like is that the, 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 car was stopped and the police were talking to this person. Yeah. And, and then he starts the car up and, the. Uh, the officer grabs on and
0: holds on. Right. So, and that's what's so, interesting is is this guy is pulled over. There's a this, there's a welfare check at a house nearby. This guy leaves that house. Then he is pulled over by police because they watched him leave the house. They're they're probably up at his window like anyone that gets pulled over. They're talking to him, and then his and his car is off. And then he turns his car off, turns his car on, and what police say or uh, the DOJ says, uh, you know, takes off at a high rate of speed with a deputy hanging onto the side of the car. And what's unclear here is if one deputy shot him while the other deputy was hanging on, or if the deputy that was hanging onto the car shot the driver, shot and killed him. So that guy, so we don't even know anything about this guy except that he was shot and killed for speeding away from a traffic stop, which seems a little crazy. That's right. So
1: they're still investigating that. We may have some more details coming out you know in the next few days on that.
0: Yeah, and, so and, and Vernon since, County Sheriff's you know, Department. Since can't the man
1: died. There's probably not going to be any particular charge in this situation.
0: Right. It was just kind of kind of understanding all of these things. We we all want to kind of understand why did this guy commit a drive-by shooting? Why was the deputy hanging onto the side of the car and then and then just shot a guy for? Speeding away from a traffic stop—that doesn't seem like. Did the guy have, you know, like what de- what factors led to you know because nobody, none of the deputies were hurt in this altercation. So so he did he could he have just let go of the car, but instead someone shot him for speeding away. What did he do that deserved to be shot? That's just a lot of questions I have on that. That's why they have investigations and they sometimes take longer to find the
1: answers than we would like.
0: To happen, but that's, right, uh, and then it's law enforcement. Uh, w- one minute here, Brad. The the last thing, uh, uh, a couple of uh, a forty year old Holman man was stabbed in the yep. neck by another forty year old, forty ish year old Holman man. We, and we do we have any details there in thir- forty five? Oh seconds? yeah,
1: that, that once again. And this is a case that, and this uh, the person uh, facing charges named Michael O'Brien from Holman. And uh, he he has, uh, was given a $1,000 cash bond today, ordered to have no weapons. Um, and uh, he is expected back in tomorrow when they should have uh, charges in this case. And uh, it's being argued that this was self-defense and it's involving, uh, you know, relationships and some people were angry and if there was a breakup involved. And, sure. and so this is... Uh, a different uh, situation there, but we would have probably more information on that tomorrow when uh, they expect
0: to bring in the charges in the O'Brien case. All right, that's Brad Williams. Coming up next, I'm going to have Barb Jansen from the city council on to talk about the homeless amendment legislation that that went through the council last week. All right, thanks, Brad. Okay. All right, we got a break. We'll be back after this. welcome back to the Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. On the phone with me now is City Council Member Barb Jansen. She represents District Three on the council, and she's been doing she's been on the city council for seven years. And I just, Barb, I appreciate you coming on. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about some what do you call it legislation? Is that what we call it in the council legislation bill, a bill? Yeah,
2: it's,
0: uh, a, a, it's
2: a ordinance, an ordinance uh, amendment.
0: Oh, okay. An ordinance amendment, and it has to do with uh, camping in the parks. Is that the best way to put it?
2: That's one way to put it, yes.
0: Or or not camping in the parks, I guess, huh?
2: Exactly. We're trying to make it so that we can enforce the rules that are that are currently on the books.
0: So over the Unfortunately, last...
2: Unfortunately, the yeah, signs the, keep disappearing.
0: Yeah, over the last month, we've had uh, multiple, I guess, engagement with how the city is handling the homeless situation. Uh, there's There's been people at parks board meetings... City council meetings, um, and and just you know, the county and the city had a group group uh, meeting or a group public meeting to talk about a joint effort to to kind of take a leadership role there. Um, and then this, and this, this in the city council, which I, I don't. Can you can you explain what the what the the dilemma is, and then what this ordinance uh, amendment would do?
2: So the amendment to the ordinance um, defines provides a little more detail to what it actually would be considered camping. It also um, makes changes so that we don't actually have to have a physical sign that says park closed or no camping because it seems that those signs keep disappearing. So it's, it's actually just making some fine-tuning to the current ordinance that says that the parks do close at 11 p.m. and there is no camping. There never has been camping allowed in parks um, and we're not doing anything new. We're just making it easier to enforce.
0: Yeah, it seems fairly simple. If the sign isn't there, but it's still a rule, it just means somebody took the sign, so you still can't camp there, right? Correct. I, it's I kind of like
2: there's an ordinance that says, you know, if you're within the city, basically the speed limit is 25, I believe,
0: yeah or alternate you don't side have to have a
2: sign up to enforce that.
0: Yeah, alternate side parking would be another one, right? I think sometimes... I feel like Winona, or Rochester. You drive in and into the city. There's a sign that says, "Hey, we." There's alternate side parking during and it. But once you get inside the city, it's not at every street corner. Exactly. And I don't yeah. even know if Lacrosse has any signs about alternate side parking. Now that I think about it.
2: Um, when you enter the city, there's a
0: sign. There is okay. Just that one. That one entrance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, all right. So, can you kind of explain how the, this process worked? Because this was brought to. The city council, by the parks department and the police,
2: um, it was sponsored by five council members. The normal procedure would that would be that it would um, get put into the legislative information, um, and it would take about a month to go through the cycle. It would go through, you know, various committees before it actually got to the city council, and basically residents would have um, about a month to comment and provide input. This particular item, it was short-circuited by the five council members because they felt that it needed to... My understanding is they felt that it was urgent to get this taken care of. I personally felt that because it was such a controversial item that it needed the full-time allocation for public input. So that's why I recommended that we refer it, and it did pass.
0: Yeah, why you you talk about controversial, and then also you talk about it's just the ordinance that says uh, if the sign is gone, there's still no camping in the park. And then if if a police officer or somebody says, hey, you have to leave the park, then they have to do so, right?
2: In theory, yes. I guess it depends on my understanding that they they, they have the opportunity, if they need to, to issue a ticket. I don't think that that is happening a whole lot. I think our police and park staff are always looking for other alternatives. Um, finding other places that an individual can go rather than camping in a park. If their say, behavior is is creating issues, um, something has to change.
0: Yeah, I'd say back in August of 2020 or around that time, I remember there were a lot of tickets for people. It was a $124 ticket. I can't remember exactly. Maybe it was just being in the park after hours. Uh, but there were a lot of them given out to uh, people that were staying in the park and a lot of duplicates. So a lot of people ended up with multiple tickets. But but this didn't go through. So what kind, of, what kind of feedback did you get during the council meeting? Because I think you got a lot of people in opposition and a few people for this legislation, right, or this amendment.
2: Yeah, there were um, at least one or two people that were in favor of the uh, amendments to the ordinance. Most people were against it. If you go back and listen to the recording, they... They didn't feel that there was other locations for uh, individuals to go that were homeless or unsheltered. Um, I personally disagree with that, um, that there are other options.
0: Are a lot of the the places that house people at night, are they full or is there space available for them to go?
2: Um, It's my understanding that the uh, overnight shelters are full. I suppose that may change from night to night, Mm -hmm. I guess from my perspective that, um, there are campgrounds, you know, the County has actual campgrounds that you can go and rent the space. And, um, there's, uh, from what I understand, um, there's DNR property that you can go and camp for like 10 to 14 days for free before you have to find a different place. Um, I think it's more a matter of convenience, is what I'm hearing people tell me they want to be close to services, uh, maybe close to where people can find them to give them, you know, free food and clothing and different things like that. Uh, But this is more a matter of, you know, everyone has rights and, you know, we have policies on the books for a reason regarding parks closing at 11. So, and that there's no camping. So, um, i guess if i were homeless i would consider going over to uh south ave where the dnr has that beautiful grassy area or i would hang out at you know another state county or city location that's not a park
0: what kind of things were did the parks and i didn't see the meeting did the parks and the the police talk to the council about the dilemma
2: yes we had both park staff and um Chief Kudron
0: uh, spoke to the group. Do you feel like they made a pretty good case for, you know, this is, I mean, it seems pretty simple. Like, <laughs> the sign isn't there, you still can't camp in the park. Right. So we're going to go through the legislative process. It'll go through a couple of committees over the next couple of weeks, and and then it'll come back to the council meeting next month?
2: Exactly. I think that the biggest benefit of having it referred for a month is that it keeps the discussion going of what's the long-term solution besides having people camping in our parks. Having the homeless very visible keeps that conversation going and hopefully creates some urgency to other groups. If you go on social media and listen and read what people are writing, there's a lot of, you know, this is all the city's fault, but I would ask, you know, what are others doing to help solve the problem? And, um, yeah, I, I personally am renting two homes to formerly homeless people, and so I'm I'm doing my part, and I have expectations of my tenants. So it's not as simple as what people think, and it's not just a city issue. We need lots of other people to join the the movement to um, come up with more permanent solutions. But a lot of that is holding people accountable as well, mm-hmm. whether it's a homeless individual or family. Whoever's working with them um, you know volunteers from the public county state
0: now when when this amendment is proposed and we we push it back for a month to kind of go to to kind of gather information what what is the responsibility of city, city council members do you need to go talk to uh, your residents that use the parks do you need to go hang out at the park and see how your parks in your district, uh, you know, what's going on there at night or people that go to the parks or groups that want to like congregate in the park during the day uh, or, or groups that work with the homeless that don't have that don't know what to do when the shelters are full. Like how many how many different bodies of, of, of and people can you talk to about this or do you talk to?
2: Well, I think many of us are getting plenty of phone calls. I personally think that there's a responsibility on both sides for the um, public to reach out to council members. And voice their opinion um, is all as well as getting information so that they're up to speed with what the actual proposal is. Um, I personally um, have stopped by various parks throughout the city to, you know, witness things firsthand. That would be up to the council member how they wish to collect information so that they are comfortable with um, making, you know, voting whatever direction they go.
0: We're speaking with Councilmember Barb Jansen. She represents District 13. She's seven years on, on the City Council. Over that time, Barb, can you can you just talk about how the the homeless situation has changed, or has uh, well, it? Changed? I think
2: the numbers are definitely increasing. I think that the city has clearly taken a much more active role, and I get the impression that we have more people showing up from other locations that we're not just talking about city of lacrosse or lacrosse county people. Obviously based on, you know, the numbers, you know, they involve multiple counties when you're talking to the various agencies. I personally am very much more educated on the on the issue. The mayor and I spent almost every Friday for an hour or two meeting with the various agencies and people that were working to help solve homelessness in our community. So I think that Feels like we've beat this problem pretty hard. And there are people that aren't at the table that really need to be. And I think that means the state and we need some more action, I believe, from the county. I think the bridge housing that was voted on probably three years ago, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where is it? Uh, I think we need to step outside our comfort zones and do some things that haven't been tried.
0: I bring this example up all the time. Governor Evers was at the YWCA. I want to say... A year ago, I can't remember exactly when gave the YWCA a million dollars. Kind of help to to help homelessness, I believe. And I asked them, you know, like about people coming from outside the area to, you know, when people bring homeless here. And the governor's answer was, "This is why I'm giving you a million dollars. It kind of makes you the homeless hub. Is that fair to Lacrosse? If they're going to get the funding, if they're going to be the center of it, then is it fair to bring homeless people here?
2: No, I don't think so. I think that uh, every community should be helping their um, unsheltered." but I don't know the specifics of what the the governor said and what his expectations were regarding that particular funding. So it's really hard to speak on that, but it just seems like a lot of the the services tend to congregate in one location and I understand why they do that. But again, we need to not have everybody in one place. And if you're trying to make changes in your life, you you need to surround yourself with people that are gonna be positive influence on you so that you can make those changes. So, so being ta- around people that are a uh, negative influence isn't real
0: helpful. Yeah, you're kind of hinting at like the Huska Park situation. You, you congregate all the homeless people in one area. They're, they're not going to help bring each other up. They'll probably kind of maintain a status quo, so to speak.
2: Right. Yes. And as a city, we were very much attacked for doing that. And I personally think that Mayor Reynolds needs to be really thanked for being willing to try different things. But unfortunately, the same people that attacked the city for, for opening up Huska are now telling us that we should let anybody camp in the parks. To me, the various parks are becoming the same thing as Huska. And that's why we're trying to find ways to enforce our current policies. So
0: yeah, I, I I'd I love said to this. hear
2: other people's solutions.
0: I said this the other day. I wrote an article. I go, the city is getting blamed. They kind of get to blame both ways, right? Like the city gets blamed for letting them stay in the parks and also gets blamed for making them leave. So when you have a group come up and say, hey, you can't you can't amend this legislation that kicks people out of the parks after hours. But then also like, hey, you got to do something about the homeless people. They don't have anywhere to go.
2: Good point. (laughs) I, I can't argue that. Right. All I can ask is that people come to the table and work together. To me, everything I keep hearing is that we need bridge housing. But I've not seen anybody actually create that bridge housing that's needed. Finding landlords that are willing to rent to unsheltered is not the actual solution, in my opinion. I think the services that come along with uh, helping somebody to get back on track is a a key factor. And that's what bridge housing is.
0: Are, are, I don't have a, any experience with this. Are homeless people like cool with bridge housing? Like, hey, we're going to live here, but then also we're going to come and work with you and try to, you know, like we're going to take notes and, and track you and figure out what you're, you're doing to get out of this situation and then get out of bridge housing on, and on your own.
2: Well, I think every individual is totally different and what they want, what they expect from others, um, what they're willing to do. Um, no one person is the same. Right. And... Um, you know, not everybody probably wants help. There are, there are people that are okay, I think, living on the streets. But for those that are interested in making changes to their life and getting a roof over their head and getting some positive changes, then those are the people that are ideal for a bridge housing type of situation or the Salvation Army. All right, last- you know, I've heard people that have actually turned down the opportunity to, to be at the Salvation Army in the past.
0: Yeah, when it's, it's all
2: about choices.
0: Yeah, if I could stay in the park and it's nice out, it might be all right. But all right, last thing, Barb. What what can people that are listening do uh, over the next month to just kind of understand the situation and maybe communicate with the city council?
2: Everyone should take the opportunity to go on the city's website um, and read um, on the legislative information site link the actual policy proposals that are being made. They should reach out to their council members, I would think. Also, you know, I think long term they should be talking to their county board supervisors as well and just ask questions and try to, you know, get as much information as possible. And I think there are plenty of people out there. I think it's the majority that are frustrated with the situation in our parks and in our city, but they're very hesitant to speak up. So if they're, you know, happy with uh, this particular suggested change, which is a very small change, in my opinion, then they should also let their council member know that um, and let the mayor know as well. Um, You know, he gets a lot of grief, but he doesn't get a lot of like, yeah, I like that. Keep doing that.
0: All right. So I'm looking at the agenda, Judiciary and Administration Committee. That's uh, it's on the agenda already, July 5th. So, you can go on the city's webpage and and check out the ordinance and then, you know, do your due diligence, I guess, for people that live in the city. Thanks, Barb. You're welcome. All right. We'll be back after this. All right. That's going to wrap it up for a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks again to Brad Williams, giving us an update on all the craziness that's happening in lacrosse, and uh, City Council Member Barb Jansen for kind of... Another update on the the homeless situation and ordinance amendment that's coming up on the agendas for, well, just a couple of weeks from now. Council will be uh, hashing out that no camping amendment. Coming up tomorrow, I do have Lacrosse Police Chief Sean Kudron booked for a segment at this point. He's a busy guy, so we'll see. But at this point, uh, he'll be on with me to talk about... I kind of want to get him on some of the investigative ways when a drive-by shooting happens and how the investigation happens. I don't know how many details we get. We should have the criminal complaint by then, but how many details we'll get from Sean on that, I'm not sure. But uh, he'll be on with me tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening.